0: And I would like to introduce a new segment with the help of Hashem to the weekly Get You Some series. I am uh, compelled and stirred by the words of Mashiach from Matityahu chapter 26 uh, verse and, um This is when Mashiach was speaking to his Talmudim in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's basically the verse that says, could you not watch with me one hour? Some translations say, could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Uh, There is this thing in Judaism and it's called midnight Torah study that takes place between the hours of 12 and 3 a.m and this is the time that melek davi would arise uh woken up by the ruach um, playing notes on the Kinor and um it would arouse him to awaken and to study torah and this is like a get you some time frame and so um with elbifashem i would like to participate in that and do it for at least one hour so i do have a timer set for the end of the hour And um, this is just something I want to post and have available via the podcast. So this is a very uh, unstructured, unformatted time frame. So just want to give you a heads up on that. Sometimes I will have visitors who will be joining me and uh, other times it will just be me. So either way, Baruch Hashem, the word of Hashem shall go forth from Yerushalayim. And, um, you know, that's what I'm here for. So, without further ado, I will say the opening bracha, and we will get to digging. All right. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bakarba nu mikolamim, vei natan lanu etorato. Baruch harunai, No noten ha-torah, Amen. May we merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days with the gathering in of all of the proselytes and all of the lost sheep of Israel, and with the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. Amen. Parsha Ve'et Hanan, which is the Aleph Tav canon. We're shooting um, frantically various rounds from this. So... Uh, I'm going to start off with the Midrash says, the Midrash gets you some um, page 106. Just looking up some different sources here. And uh, let me start with this page 106 at the bottom. It says, usually the Torah commands that at the B'nai Yisrael, defeat another nation, the enemies, women and children be kept alive. OK, so that's important. You know, it's not this. Um, merciless war that's going on first of all there's prescriptions to war we'll learn about that coming up soon in kitabo but just to kind of give you a precursor uh, on that you preach shalom to the city first you don't just go out and start blasting and blowing up stuff and cutting down fruit trees and all sorts of stuff like that i know random right don't cut down fruit trees but you know it's just kind of like wait what does that have to do with war well, there's this thing where man is likened to a tree and you know, the verse that says you shall know a tree by its fruit um, because of near your I now um, I'm going to take moments and I'm going to source out all of my verses. You shall know a tree by its fruit uh, is not teach seven um, starting at 15 through 20. Mashiach is exhorting us. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Which is important because Yisrael are likened to sheep. So in other words, these people are portraying themselves to be Yisrael. That creates a whole lot of things that I'm not even going to get into. But it says, inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That's the important thing. So what's going on inside? Outside looks pretty cool. The words seem pretty cool. I'm going to bring up Yeshayahu real quick because he has firsthand first-hand experience with something that happened that was really interesting. He says he was following this guy on YouTube who was giving droshes and uh, he was teaching about how we need to keep the Shabbat. As followers of Hashem, we need to keep the Shabbat. And then all of a sudden, this person goes to jail. And it's like, wait, someone who's preaching truth, walking in truth and freedom ends up going to jail awkward. But he continues to say that this person decides that when they're in jail, they're going to really like focus on community and fellowship. And as they do that, they start finding other people who have been um, growing close to God and things like that in the prison. So he gets with these group of people and he says they're having a prayer uh, time. And uh, all of a sudden he feels the spirit comes down And people, you know, start like praying and there's some speaking in tongues going on and things like that. And then he's like, and then I knew that uh, that was a fake uh, event. Like, in other words, it wasn't like a true thing. So he basically, from that point on, removed himself from the situation. So uh, obviously, that's in a Christian context. And um, that's already awkward from the start. But the picture and the concept that i would like for us to extract from that if we can kind of look as an overview that how can you have someone who's teaching that the shabbat is legit and it's valid but their life goes in a direction otherwise and then they start coming back and um just kind of undoing everything that they shared well it's because wolves come in sheep's clothing you know and so we have to be mindful of these things and we have to really do our best and be diligent do what this next verse says you will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit check out the fruit what is the fruit that's the fruits of the spirit Is there loving kindness, you know, is there patience, is there self-control, you know, all these different things that are going on. So there's all that. And then the next verse says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And then it says, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Okay, so check fruit content. The last verse here says or next to last every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down oh then we just start off by saying don't cut down fruit trees but it says the the tree that does not bear good fruit i.e it's a bad tree you can cut that one down and it's thrown into the fire therefore by their fruits you will know them so if man is like into a tree and we're supposed to bear fruit you're approaching a city and you're about to wage war against it and you want to make sure you don't cut down the fruit trees it's just like if there is a man who is producing good fruit, you do not attack him. Nor do you destroy this perfectly good tree. Like, literally. And then it says, um, this is all Jewish uh, Midrash commentary on, um, I think it's Parashat Kitavo Because it's when you go out to war. It gives all the prescriptions on that. So, it says that you are to approach the city from three sides allowing a way for the people to escape should they not accept the terms of shalom which would be converting which is what happened for every nation that was expelled from the land as yehoshua was leading the jews into the land you know and it's like so this wasn't like a merciless thing that was going on and so if they did not want to enter into life and shalom torah mitzvot Then they had a way to escape and you don't go chase those people down and uh, kill them. That's not right. So anyway, that whole concept as we're just kind of looking here. And then it says the seven nations of Eretz, Kanaan and Amalek are exceptions. So there's this one thing where you go to war against certain enemies. You don't destroy everything. But with these nations and with Amalek. That doesn't apply. And it says God commanded that they be destroyed completely, including their women and children. He gave B'nai Israel a special warning not to leave survivors among the seven nations who would refuse their So Hinuk 126, why God created seven nations which were ultimately doomed to destruction it can be explained as follows when those nations were originally created had or they had free choice to become righteous they were destroyed because they preferred the path of immorality that's one number 2 god may create entire nations for the sake of righteous individuals who emerge from them thus for example, the God-fearing Roman emperor Antonius descended from Amalek. Sephar Kinuk adds, God certainly has other profound reasons why he causes nations to appear and disappear. Because, you know, a lot of the nations we read about in the Tanakh, they do not exist today. Uh, uh, the Philistines being one of them they're not palestinians um, because sometimes that connection is kind of made because it kind of sounds like but it's not so to be a specific example but if we look at what's going on it's all about the wages of sin being death you know Romans six fourteen. and when you look at that it's kind of like okay so in eretz israel it's supposed to be holy land hashem said this is where i choose to rest my name, therefore, it belongs to me. The earth belongs to me, but I'll take Yisrael as my special portion. So, so there's some um, information on that. Next thing I want to go into is, I just closed it, open back up my tab here. I was minding my own business in uh, a Pesach Haggadah from Minkat Ani. And... T- going all the way back to Moshe at the burning bush and i want you to look, think about the redeemer of israel as i say this okay so moshe is asking basically you know uh the the response to the people you know cuz it's like moshe is going to show up and be like who sent you how do we know you're the redeemer all that kind of stuff so it's picking up here it says if this answer does not suffice and they ask why the other nations were not refined and purified like the people of Israel, God tells Moshe to perform the second sign, turning his arm leprous. I have already explained in my other work that leprosy is not a natural disease, but a spiritual one. This refers to afflictions that affect the skin So that others may see the impurity. And it says when they that is uh, uh, this refers to afflictions that affect the skin so that others may see the impurity. That is why Israel, who has the potential purity, must cast off that which is impure in them. This affliction affects. Yeah, this affliction affects the skin so that others may see when their skin is pure. It is a sign that their pure body cannot tolerate sin. Okay, so basically, if there's impurity going on. there's The body is rejecting it, so it's like an allergic reaction. So sin connected to impurity. The spirit of impurity is upon one who is a sinner and all that. So there's this whole spiritual affliction that's going on. And it says, so the Redeemer of Israel, ready? This is why God tells Moshe, place your hand in your bosom so that you cannot touch anyone but yourself. This is a sign that the impurity is within yourself and it has affected you. And certainly it will affect others if you touch them. This is a sign that you can remove. This is a sign that you can remove. Remember, I was talking about how Mashiach literally removed the impurity of leprosy. You know, like the ten lepers who came to him, and he said, "You're clean. Go show yourself to the kohenim." And um, they all leave, and the one comes back, and Yeshua's like, "Where are the rest of them?" And it's like, up until that point, the only way you were literally cleansed of leprosy is when the Kohen would examine you after seven days from your previous proclamation that you had leprosy and so which is za'arat by the way so when yeshua removes their impurity it was before they were able to show themselves to the Kohenim. but we know that mashiach is a Kohen, so there's that but this is all taking place at the word that's flowing from his mouth Which, remember, he only speaks the words that his father tells him to speak, just like Moshe throughout all of Devarim. So that's all going on. And it says here that Moshe is shown this sign because it's saying that he can remove the impurity. So the the Redeemer of Israel can remove impurity. Then it says affecting you from within or from the outside. So inner and outer purity. Can be affected by the Redeemer of Israel, And we talk about the ashes of the red heifer. How the one who sprinkles them. They become impure. Or the one who uh, prepares them becomes impure. And the one who gets sprinkled by them becomes pure. So it's like trading impurity for purity. and purity for impurity. You know. That whole kind of thing. But it's like no. You can cleanse from the inside and the outside. Like it's taking it up to a whole higher level. And it says, this is an answer to Israel of why Israel had to be oppressed with hard labor. As scripture states, you alone have I singled out from all the families of the earth. Therefore, this is why I will punish you for all of your iniquities. Amos three two. This means that Israel's suffering is for their own good in order to remove the impurity of the primordial serpent from them. In this way, they will be purified of all dross so that they can receive the Torah. So, uh, yeah, so the Redeemer has to remove the impurity, has to remove the sin from within us so that we can enter into Torah. That was the death of Mashiach on the crucifixion stake. He was doing that to remove our impurity so that we can receive the Torah. So then, um, you know, because that was uh, delivering us from sin, that whole kind of thing. So if we go to the kehert Humash, looking at Devarim 6.4, the Shema, and we're going to focus in on the word Echad. All right. So Hasidic Insights. If you have the Kehert Humash, this is page 41 and page 41 on the left side. Okay, so left page forty-one. There's two forty-ones. It says, "Thus the Shema is the first of all. Is first of all a reminder that Hashem is our God, i.e., that as Jews, we possess an innate and viable belief that God is not only imminent, but also transcendent. In addition." We are enjoined to know God's transcendence, not only to believe in him. Okay, so we're supposed to know the transcendence and not just believe. And it says, this is why the verse continues that Hashem is one. The adjective one, which is the word echad, can describe one entity among many, like he is one of them. Another point says a unity composed of parts i.e. one body made of many limbs and organs i'm reading you to you word from word i promise the next point a unique entity one and only and it says although god is certainly one in the third sense which is the unique entity he's one and only As will be explained shortly, when we say God is one, we mean one. And then it says, in the second sense, for the intent behind these words is that the world and all its constituents, rather than being individual, separate or disparate parts are in fact part of Hashem. Footnote 120. Sefer HaMa'amarim um 5729 keeps going saying that this is this realization flows logically from the awareness of God's transcendence from when we say that God transcends the universe we obviously do not mean that he does so in a physical sense for God is not corporeal except for when he is lepide and searched got it okay rather we mean that God even as he The page is jumping here. Even as he... Okay, even as he is present within and throughout creation, is at the same time beyond it and unaffected by it. Now, okay, so they just said he isn't corporeal, but then they just said he's within creation. So to elucidate really quickly on the insert that I dropped about Lapid saying except for when he is because we know that Hashem was manifest in Mashiach now not the totality of Hashem because Hashem still remained completely outside of creation while he was in creation at the same time and then at the same time Ahad means a body of many members and I'm going to submit to you First of all, Romans, uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. For just as there are many parts that compose one body, but the parts don't all have the same function, so there are many of us in union with the Mashiach. We comprise one body, with each of us belonging to the others. Okay, so in Mashiach, we embody the aspect of Echad, which is the second of these three definitions that are being brought down. Then, on top of that, um, where did my little tab go here? Here we go. We got uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all going on. And so, starting in 20, it says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Important to know if you think just because someone isn't a quote unquote amazing or Torah scholarly or uh, knows a lot about the mitzvot or uh, any kind of leadership and things like that, just because they're not on just because someone in the community is not on that level Doesn't mean that they're dispensable because you need to know that they are indispensable Okay, we all need each other from the top to the bottom from the head to the feet Because guess what you may not like your pinky toe, but if you take it off, it's going to create some issues when you're walking around Uh, the next verse says that and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable We bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Shout out to the Avengers. And then this final verse. Now you are the body of Mashiach and individually members of it. And that is the Hasidic insight behind Hashem Echad. Because Echad means one body with many members Being in creation, but outside of it all at the same time. So just to continue this note here, it says that is at the same time beyond it and unaffected by it. Not all subject to limitation of time and space. From this perspective, the creation of the world affected no change in Hashem. He is the same after creation as he was before creation, filling every moment of time and every iota of space. When we look at the world from this perspective, we no longer see trees and tables. We only see God. God is everything. And that's where Anode Milvado comes from, by the way. There is only Hashem and there is no other. So the more we unify in Hashem, the more we can see that. All right. And that was kind of a big chunk there. Um, Oh, this is something I want to point out that um, currently right now, there have been earthquakes going on in Israel. There have been um, the rumors of wars, and you probably already know where I'm going with this. Uh, Matityahu Yahu 20, uh, 20 what? 24, 29 through30. But immediately following the trouble of those times, the sun will grow dark. The moon will stop shining, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of Hashemayim with tremendous power and glory. So, apparently there's a uh, lunar eclipse occurring uh, within this next 24 hour time period. According to Talmudic passages, that's a bad omen. And, um, you know, with the uh, attacks and everything that's been going on in, in Eretz Israel and all of the Teshuvah, the Bezra teshuvah that we've been making, this is a great uh, opportunity for us to merit the redemption, you know. And this is the whole thing behind Mashiach looking for uh, fruit on the fig tree. Because the fig tree should always be ready. You know, there should always be fruit on the fig tree. Because it's actually a tree that has fruit on it at any given point in time. You know, maybe not a lot, but just a little bit. And you think about the fact that it doesn't take a big nation, a big community to make teshuva, But it, it just takes a few individuals that are willing to uh, give it all they got and um, be... And harmonious uh, union with one another. Lots of baseless love. Lots of the eradication of Lashon Hara. And things like that. And so with all that going on. Uh, this is beautiful. And I just wanted to encourage everyone to uh, really just continue to seek Hashem. Continue to press into Him. And with this week's... There we go. And that's, that's our time. And with everything that's going on with this time of... Just really uh, heading into Tuba'av. It's currently Tuba'av, actually. So, you know, Chag Sameach uh, Tuba'av. And um, so may we continue to make Teshuvah and Hashem, to cleave and attach to the flame of the lapid and make converts and uh, look for our Mashiach speedily and soon in our days. So, Parshav Echanan May we implore Hashem for... Uh, unmerited favor, because that's what V'eth Kalan means And uh, I pray that something I said tonight uh, Stuck out and um, Is a blessing, so What do we know, what do we know? Barukataronai Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natanlanu Torah Temet Vekaye Olam Natavet Okeinu Barukataronai no tain Noten HaTorah Amen. Amen. May you have a blessed Shabbat and Tuba Av. And may we merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Amen.